the background is we were having discussions after all of the episodes and realized that we were making some really good points. Uh, <laughs> Connecting the, some dots that were just you and I were hearing. <laughs> yeah, so like, hey, let's uh, record some of these. So uh, at least a semi-regular feature, if not a regular feature, will be some of these analyses, depending on how good I guess they turn out to be. Welcome to a bonus analysis and discussion episode with the hosts of the Path Distilled podcast. In these episodes, we talk about the guests that we just had on, how it connects to the guests we've had in the past, and give our take on what you've heard. That was interesting. It was awesome. I love hearing, you know, there were so many facets. I, uh, we probably could have done like a series just on the two of them of like, let's dig into this one for this episode and that one for that yeah. episode. Um, Cause there's obviously so much to their story. I love to, I love that it was an opportunity for us to interview siblings um, and to get the different experience, right? Like something that resonated for me right at the start was how Felicia talked about fencing as a way that she could put a mask on and kind of be someone else whereas Iris talked about it was a way she could be seen, right? So it's kind of interesting that way to have it be the same sport with just two very different experiences or, or thoughts about what it did for them. For sure. No, that actually reminded me of Leanne Parsley and her teammate where she, um, I mentioned it more than once, but she put everything out of mind as she was doing her track and then her partner would look around and see what was happening as she was going down. It was a very similar dichotomy there. Yeah. And I think, you know, one point that Iris wanted to make several times, and I think it's, she and I talk about this all the time, this idea of no secret sauce. Everybody wants the secret sauce. Everybody searching to find it. Everybody, you know, is writing a book or doing whatever to share the secret sauce. And I think, you know, flipping that a little bit and saying that it's another data point. It's another way of looking at like, what are the lessons? What are the principles that we could be learning here that I can then take and use for myself um, to make sure that I'm taking those things into consideration to build out something that's going to work for me. And you heard that a little bit too, in the way that they talked about not only their experiences, but even their routines, right? About Ira saying she needed to kind of be herself and laugh and focus on the young boy in the stands, right? <laughs> Versus it seemed like Felicia was a little bit more, you know, focused on the, um, you know, her routine was more built around like watching the opponents and trying to strategize and all that. And she was really more tuned in. And so I think that expresses that point really well, right? Like there's no secret. It's about taking all this information and thinking about how do I use that for me, for my benefit. Definitely. And that really, her comment about being herself resonated with me because I've cost myself a few points at least by, you know, I joke around kind of like she was saying, I joke around maybe when <laughs> others think I shouldn't, but um, I really modeled, I probably shouldn't, Dave's going to get a big ego if I say this, but uh, Dave Eccles is really kind of a model for doing that because he's by all accounts a strong academic, but he was always being himself. And so when I was watching him, you know, I was in grad school and he was a young professor. I thought, well, he's doing it. And uh, that's a really good model to follow. I also loved how they, you know, they weren't afraid to admit that it wasn't all roses, mm -hmm. that there were some really negative parts to the training. 
Um, Andre Agassi is probably the most famous person that I'm aware of that talked about not liking his training, but I thought not liking um, the sport at all. (laughs) But they had a very um, love hate relationship with it. I shouldn't say love hate. They, there were parts of it they strongly did not like and felt like there was some overtraining. And I thought that was brave to talk about the downside. Yeah. But I think that presents the reality that we're trying to get out with the podcast, right? Like there is no such thing as all roses, all upside, all positivity. That's just not what it looks like. There are the good parts. There are the ways that things work and fit and work well and you find that success and then there are the challenging sides to the things and the times where things feel off or aren't working um i think that's important for people to think about as i think we have you know this sometimes and there's been some fascinating research on this uh sometimes overly optimistic vision of things right like it always the, the example i always share is do you remember a few years ago when i think it was prudential that was doing, they hired a psychologist to do some of their commercials. And one of their commercials was, I forget what city it was in, but they put up this big wall in a city and people were supposed to go up to the wall and they got, uh, I think it was like blue magnets and yellow magnets and the wall was divided into past and future. And they were supposed to write down on one of the colors, you know, the good things that happen on one of the colors, the bad things that happened. And what they found was that people were much more realistic about the past. They understood that there there had been good and bad things. Um, But the wall on the future side was much more optimistic. It was like the color was, I think it was yellow. That was like the, everything's going to be great, basically, (laughs) you know? And so they talked about... um, you know, that was kind of the one episode and then they had this other, I think it was another one of their episodes or another uh, talk I used to show in one of my classes um, where they showed like how, uh, how much this sets us up for challenge and is so enduring. So this woman, it was another psychologist that was giving a talk on stage and she tells the, she's talking about this literally, she's talking about how we are built like this as humans. And then she says they're going to take a pause, like a little intermission. People can go out, use the restroom, you know, get something from the vending machine and come back. And they have this camera in the vending machine. The vending machine is set up for, you know, to eat your money, basically. And so they're watching person after person go up and see the person in front of them, put the change in and the getting stuck. The next person comes up, same thing. And people are still going up to the vending machine, like putting the money in, like expecting that for them, it's going to be different, that for them, it's going to be a good outcome. And there's something very important about that, that we understand about having that hope and that positive expectation, but there's also something very challenging about it, right? And so to me, that was one of the the things that resonated from the way that they kind of artfully told both their stories and their joint story was these were the ways that our lives and the ways that we you know it was set up for us worked really well for us. And these were the ways that it was really challenging for us and um, didn't help us succeed. And someone have to be paying attention. Uh, she mentioned grit once, I think towards the very end. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of in the context she used it in made me think that she thinks of it. Well, I shouldn't say she thinks of it, but she used it in at least in that context, similar to how it's, been the negative side of it's been described lately whereas it's been presented lately um as sticking with something even if you no longer want it 
uh, no matter what. And I don't think that was the original idea behind it. So I think it could have that connotation, but the idea, at least the way I would present or suggest people should use it is having the vision or the determination to achieve the things that you want, underlying want to achieve. So I think we're using it the same way, but uh, she might've even been alluding to it the way that it's been misused. But I think she was, because I know that she and I, uh, Iris and I have talked about this quite a bit, that Angela Duckworth, right, was, has been very clear in her definition of grit, that it is not about head down, pursue hard things. You know, in the one hand in the book, she talks about, like, even with her family, the challenges they do, right, to, like, push themselves more, to, to push them, out, you know, to stretch their comfort zone and, um, you know, for growth and things like that. But on the other hand, like you said, that's why it was about passion plus motivation or discipline, right, like, to make sure you are pursuing the things you want to be pursuing. The analogy I know she's used that I usually tell a lot of my clients is um, she uses a treadmill analogy that grit is not about getting on the treadmill and staying on it even when it's hard. It's about getting on the treadmill, staying on it, getting off, coming back on it the next mm -hmm. day, staying on it, coming back on it the next day for the treadmill you want to be on. Right? Not just because, uh, because you've been doing it. And I, especially when working with athletes, I've always had very interesting conversations about this notion of quitting versus moving on to something else or choosing to do something else. Um, we often, as societally, right, have looked at leaving something and moving on to something else as quitting, as giving up, which is considered to be a very bad quality. And there's some nuance to that that I think uh, grit was trying to kind of help us understand a bit. And I think it, you've said it all, no need for me to rehash anything you just said. You said it very well. And I think the the final comment I'll make about it is, maybe I am still repeating it, but it's just that, I guess it's the going in with the eyes wide open that a couple of our guests have mentioned. Yeah. That, in, it's really needed in combination with the grit. So know what you're getting in for. Know, uh, some, you know, we're all human. We sometimes don't know what we want. But if we do know that we want something, then you need to go in with open eyes and know that it's going to take a lot of work. And that grid is how you get to the places you need to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that maybe people will hear or won't hear from their story is that notion too of something that people are talking a lot about now of this idea of self-compassion, right? That we can't we can't hold ourselves to this perfect ground of like, we're always going to be in the best mental state. We're always going to figure it out. We're always going to have an easy time pushing ourselves. Like it's not necessarily about that. It's not about taking it easy on yourself either. Right. And jumping to the other side of the continuum and never pushing yourself or always giving yourself that out of like, Oh, it's okay that I didn't do what I was supposed to do or I backed out on this, but really seeing it more as this fluid, adaptability piece sometimes i am in the right place and i push myself hard and it works and sometimes I, something gets the better of me and i've got to figure it out and you know one of the things that they talked a ton about which is probably one of uh, the most researched you know topics uh, in and out of sport um, in the last several years is resilience right and understanding that we need hard things in order to develop resilience, right? Like we need to have experiences where we fail, where things are difficult, where we, you know, encounter adversity and all those things to be able to 
have the growth that comes out of those things. And in sport, what are the, some of the research is, you know, kind of tying that to is what they're calling adversarial growth. That, you know, we can grow out of adversity if we have some things in place to be able to do that ourselves and in the people, you know, in the environment around us. Um, and that there might be this, uh, well, one article I read from some colleagues out of the UK called a phase of illusory growth in the middle there. So you experience the adversity and then you're in this stage um, that will look different for different people in different situations where it's about you knowing that you want or need to grow out of a situation and you're trying to get there, but you're not there yet. And that that's part of this kind of path to being able to respond resiliently. Um, and I think they talked about that a lot of ways in terms of ways that they were set up well to develop resilience because you have to be challenged, you have to, um, you know, have difficult things and then ways that maybe sometimes they were thwarted from, you know, developing the ability to thrive through adversity. I'll say one more thing that you mentioned earlier that I think is important for the listeners to think about. Um, you mentioned the idea of modeling and how you had Dave as a model, and we could certainly see that in their story, right, that Iris used Felicia as a model. Felicia talked about, you know, the other people that she had as models, and that really ties to, um, from a self-efficacy or confidence standpoint, that really ties to that, that Bandura's kind of self-efficacy theory, what's called vicarious learning, that we can be really powerful to have that person or those people that you can look to as models. Um, and I, I thought that was so interesting with like the machete analogy, but, you know, being the one who charts the course, but having others to look at and chart the course. And again, it's not, there's no secret sauce. It's not, oh, I have a model, so I have someone to follow and that's going to, you know, kind of map on perfectly. It's using it, being able to use something like that in a very powering way so that you feel confident and capable to pursue things. Um, I think you heard that in both of their stories, but in a little bit different ways. And that's another tie back into grit. Grit is there to keep you in the game long enough or in the domain long enough to benefit from the time you're putting in. Yeah. And I can never, I keep trying to go back and find this book that I, um, I thought it was one book and I, I've scoured that book again to try and find this one story um, that I remember reading in one of the many books that I have that, um, I think the story was about, it was about the C, I want to say it was the CEO of Levi's, if I remember the story correctly, and I just cannot find the story and it drives me crazy. But in one book I read about uh, the CEO of Levi's, I think it was, or, you know, at the, at the time, one of the CEOs who used to keep a book on his desk and it, like every chapter of life, there were things in this book, times that he had been successful, times that he had encountered adversity. And so anytime he was faced with a decision and maybe pushed back on the decision or adversity or was questioning himself, he would always look to this book. And I always thought, obviously the book is a nice idea and that's something we talk about in performance coaching that as simple and silly as it might sound of having this kind of like list of reasons why you should believe in yourself. It's, there's some support for that anecdotally, obviously, but also in the research. But what I always found was most important out of this story was that it wasn't just times that he had been successful. It was times that he had gone through adversity and it was a way that he could look at it and say, well, here's reasons why I should believe in myself in terms of I've, been, I've done things before, I've had successes before, so I could stand on that. 
but I've also been through adversity before and I've gotten through it and I've figured it out. And that ties into uh, what I read about at one point, Bandura talking about this idea of self-regulatory self-efficacy. So our belief in our ability to manage ourselves and to uh, particularly manage ourselves during difficult times. Um, and so I, I loved hearing that in their story today that they had this working for them at so many different angles. You know, they had ways that they were set up to be resilient and to handle adversity. They had ways that they were set up for the grit and the drive. They had ways that they were set up for, you know, feeling empowered and confident and capable. They had ways that they were set up for, um, you know, trying to figure out what worked for them um, and how to have kind of like the, the right mindset, if you will, about things and ways that they were able to develop this belief that when they encounter challenges, they're going to, you know, be able to figure it out and move forward from it. And it, you could hear that that certainly um, was a part, not just of their athletic careers, but also um, their business as well. And, and Felicia's, you know, continuing to run the business and how she tries to, to set it up um, in that way and deal with that ebb and flow she talked about at the end. Sure. And a little bit of a confessional, I've been, uh, have to admit that I've actually used I guess I shouldn't say it that way, but I've been using things that we've learned from our guests in my own uh, goal setting or self-talk or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. the lessons learned in particular. Absolutely. That's the, that's the fun part, right, about, about this is we're not trying to come up with some secret sauce. We're trying to present some different paths, some different ideas, some different tools and all that that then the listeners can think huh that resonates for me or maybe that will work for me and I think that that's for me a huge value add of what we're offering um, the listeners and also yes ourselves <laughs> <laughs> like us share do all the fun stuff thanks Path Stilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman created and produced by Kevin Harris the content is copyrighted by the Path Distilled all right preserved <laughs>